Good evening, everyone. Last week, we finally got the first edition of the DSM published, which is a manual of all mental illnesses, which is for sure a milestone. But that version had some serious shortcomings, which we'll talk about this episode. The main problem with the first DSM was that even though it was supposed to be a standard manual for diagnosing mental illness, it was still incredibly vague, likely due to the fact that it was created by psychoanalysts with little empirical evidence. As a result, diagnoses were still very inconsistent, with different frameworks of psychoanalytic theory diagnosing in different ways. Most psychiatrists, though, didn't see any problem with this until in 1973 when a paper would rock the world of psychiatry. This paper, titled On Being Sane in Insane Places, was authored by one David Rosenhan, a recent Stanford-trained lawyer with a fresh psychology degree. His first sentence of the paper sums up the goal of the study pretty well. Quote, If sanity and insanity exist, how shall we know them? His experiment was to send normal people with no history of mental illness to a mental hospital and see if they would be discovered as sane. Over the past year, Rosenhan had sent fake patients, eight in total, to a bunch of mental hospitals with fake identities, backgrounds, and complaints of hearing voices, saying empty, hollow, and thud. All of these patients were then admitted to the mental hospitals, where they proceeded to act normally, not faking anything anymore. Nurses described these patients as, quote, friendly, cooperative, and existing no abnormal indications during their stays, seemingly not detecting any mental illness. But almost all of them were diagnosed with schizophrenia and hospitalized for 7 to 52 days. Rosenhan in his paper used this to assert that mental hospitals were not capable of distinguishing the sane from the insane, and criticized psychiatry for their unreliable diagnoses. The paper made quite a splash, and psychiatry found itself suffering from a credibility crisis yet again, under fire from the general public and the medical community at large. Psychiatrists went on the defense, and searching for articles of the time, you can find numerous criticisms and rebuttals from psychiatrists specifically aimed at Rosenhan's study. I find the most persuasive argument to be that Rosenhan's patients lied to the psychiatrists, and it was perfectly reasonable to admit them for observation and treatment. Hearing voices is fairly serious, and schizophrenia can be dangerous. And why would psychiatrists just go about assuming that these patients are lying about their symptoms? If the symptoms had been real, it would have been prudent, frankly, to at least admit the patients, and not only that, but nurses did document that these fake patients had exhibited no abnormal indications, and then they were released fairly quickly. But, point taken, that they were still all diagnosed with schizophrenia, so clearly there is some problem here. However, even if Rosenhan's study doesn't quite prove the point, it was definitely effective at spreading the word. And again, his critique that psychiatric diagnosis was vague. Rosenhan kept going, and he challenged a large psychiatric hospital, saying that he would send them another round of imposters and see how many they could catch. At said hospital, which rather foolishly accepted the challenge, 193 new patients were evaluated over the next year, of which they identified 41 as potential imposters. Rosenhan then gleefully revealed that his challenge had been a lie again. No imposters were sent at all, which only further damaged the credibility of psychiatry. 
Now, psychiatrists were more than happy to dismiss Rosenhan, but it was much harder to ignore the reaction of their medical colleagues, and especially the insurance companies. Following the Rosenhan study, Aetna and Blue Cross severely cut mental health benefits to their policies, citing that psychiatry lacked accountability and oversight. With less insurance coverage, psychiatrists would have more trouble getting paid, and less patients in general. Simultaneously, this study also emboldened an existing, but at the time, small anti-psychiatry movement. Back in the 1960s, Thomas Zaz, a psychiatrist from the State University of New York at Syracuse, published a book called The Myth of Mental Illness, which made the argument that psychiatry was a pseudoscience, and claimed instead that odd behaviors characteristic of certain mental illnesses were not actually wrong or sickness in any way, and just needed not to be considered illness. He accrued a small following, especially given the anti-authority culture of the time, and even compared involuntary psychiatric hospitalization to slavery. Across the ocean, a similar figure arose in Europe, the Scottish psychiatrist R.D. Lang. Lang believed in mental illness as a concept, but asserted that it was caused by intolerable social circumstances. The influence of these figures would spread over time, and by 1968 there were protests at the annual American Psychiatric Association's meeting. The next year, in 1969, a plane circled overhead, flying a banner that read, Psychiatry Kills, and every single year since, the APA has had some kind of protest at their meeting. Like the Rosenhan study, there was a bit of truth in the critiques of the anti-psychiatry movements, but also valid counterpoints. Anti-psychiatrists were right that psychiatric diagnosis was unreliable, which we've already talked about, but they often ignored that many mental illnesses were terrible to have for patients. For example, there is incredible suffering on the part of a patient with depression. Respecting the atypical beliefs and behaviors of depressed people alone does not help to reduce their awful feelings. In addition, mental illness on rare occasions can present a real danger to others, even besides the patient, making respecting certain behaviors a bad idea. In one especially tragic instance, a mental inpatient was released prematurely based on pressure from the anti-psychiatrist Thomas Zaz, who then killed several people and was only stopped when his own wife shot him. One thing was for sure, though, that by the 1970s, the field of psychiatry in the United States was in crisis from all directions. The American Psychiatric Association warned its members, quote, Our profession has been brought to the edge of extinction. Which, in my opinion, is a little dramatic, but does tell you how they felt in the moment. The Board of Trustees in 1973 called an emergency conference to figure out a strategy to combat the crisis. They agreed on one fundamental problem, which I hope should be pretty obvious to you by now, there was still no reliable, scientific method for diagnosing mental illness. And so, next week, we'll talk about how we finally fixed that, in particular because of the work of one Robert Spitzer. As always, thank you for listening, and always feel free to reach out to me with the links in the show notes. Thanks also go out to Jojo Tang for editing, Angie Lee for our cover art, and Muse Open for this music. Mm -hmm.